when you've refused to learn anything all year, so why start now? It's That's So MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hi. Man, that was a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, you primed it's going to be a bummer. Me. You told me. This is, this is going to be a bummer situation. Um... This is your M- this is this is how we start our MLS playoff preview. Yeah, uh, MLS Cup playoff preview. Uh, the the play in rounds will begin this Friday. Uh, the expanded field has been set, um, and in this schedule, uh, not only has been set, but also we we have learned it's going to be. There's not a lot of... Well, there's a little wiggle room. There's a little wiggle room in there, but not like 14 days of wiggle room. No. As we learned today um, that from Jeffrey Carlisle at ESPN, um, that the planned uh, league protocols around coronavirus are going to be that. First of all, they're not going to do a bubble tournament, despite the fact that we have talked and, and many people have, have mentioned that like the idea... Are they going to be able to pull off a non-bubble tournament? The USL couldn't for either its championship or its League One. Yeah. Um, but they're going to give it a shot. Uh, and the way they're going to handle it is they're going to try and reschedule games if teams have COVID, if teams have to uh, have COVID positive players and have to reschedule. But if they can't find an alternative, the team that has the outbreak is going to have to withdraw from the postseason which on the surface of it okay i i understand the flawed logic but as we've seen with continuing record cases in canada and the united states um what happens if both teams have cases they just both forfeit that's a great point like, That's a great, I, which I feel like is also a very possible situation, right? Like you would, I would think that if you couldn't get that play by the next round, that both of them forfeit and the next team gets a buy, unless it's what if it's the final? Like the it just, reason, the thing, the thing is, it's it's such a like half measure, like contingency plan, because it's like, well, if it you're just making it so much more complicated than it needs to be. How is that easier besides the fact that it costs MLS no money and they can just chalk it up to the teams? Um, did I just answer my own question? <laughs> 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 like it just, it, everything would have been easier and safer in a bubble. And it, it just really makes all of the things they said in the summer about player safety and all of that, which rang pretty hollow at the time, just, it is really evident that 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 doesn't mean anything to to MLS. That ultimately, it's just, they're just going to go ahead and risk things and see what happens. Is seems the, to be the policy. <laughs> the whole idea is the whole idea of having a season is is still like pretty bankrupt in general. Yeah. And the tournament itself was still risky, but it's like it, it seems over and over again what we put into practice one week is completely discarded the next week. Yeah. You learn, well, we have a bubble, we had a bubble tournament and in a, in situations of high cases, it was a little bit of a mess getting players there. 
But once we were there, there was relatively little risk of of um, of having issues. Well, so and now it, we're going to do home market games where we let fans back in. And, and when <laughs> when the tournament in Orlando ended, Don Garber was saying like, well, "We've learned a lot of things from this in order to schedule a new season." And so, literally, like, it, it's just all being thrown out. It's like the things that we've learned, I, the the emptiness of words that are being said by leaders everywhere right now is so maddening. It's like, well, so what did you learn? What specifically did you learn that you're keeping? Like, so they had to, they, they, I think the, the number from the Carlisle article was 11 matches got postponed due to, uh, COVID and, and five of them, of course, were the Rapids, um, who, who spent a long time not doing anything while that was happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and there, I understand there are differing, there are differing opinions on what you do. Who do you who do you hold responsible for a COVID outbreak? Is it is it the person's fault who gets COVID for getting COVID? Unless there's like evidence, like you know, it's case by case if you can point to something that was irresponsible or whatever. But ultimately, I think that's a really dangerous line to walk, and 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 I don't I don't want to hold anybody responsible that way. No, so, and I mean, I know plenty of people in the states that have gotten COVID who are wearing masks, staying at home, socially distancing. Like when you have a caseload as high as it is in so many states, even with the precautions, uh, it means that people can still get sick. So th there's that added element as well. well. I mean, like you said, you just can't make that assumption. I guess so long as you ha technically have like 15 players and to have a squad and somewhat of a bench you could continue to play if everybody else tested negative but like it just it seems like such a, a bizarre and kind of like dark measure <laughs> like why is that like we're gonna we had points per game used to decide playoff spots we're gonna have like cases per team that decides <laughs> and goes, like and i'm That's joking but penalties. no penalties What's that? No penalties. The the, the yeah. team with the fewer COVID cases wins on a, wins on a draw. No penalties. It's just, uh, it's really, it is disheartening. But and, and, and here's the thing: I it frustrates me so much that the 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 manner of dealing with it is so opposite. Yeah, like points per game. No matter it's a it's a testy question, but points per game leaned on the side of leniency towards. We will, you you deserve to have a chance to qualify for the playoffs, even if you, uh, even if you miss five games, because yeah, um, because but now it's like, but if you have COVID cases, you're going to automatically forfeit your playoff spot. Like what? And we, what was the point? Why not just put the white caps in then? <laughs> that's that's a great point. Uh, ultimately, I, I, it would have been better. It would have been a better point if Vancouver had won a couple more games yeah. and 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 finished above the Rapids in points, which they did not. But also, I mean, would the Rapids, if the Rapids were coming back off those five games, thinking they had no chance of qualifying, would they have had the same results in their in their yeah, run? -in? Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, it's just it's it's inconsistent. This is var room decision making. It seems where. <laughs> From game to game, week to week, we don't know what what the deal is going to be. However, on the bright I, side I, of things, there's a New Jersey. I don't, I don't think I don't think that you can discount the example of 
the USL. Like ultimately, they had to they had to throw out both finals because yeah, it, it, they say that you you'll have every um, you'll have every effort. They'll take every effort to uh, to try and reschedule the game. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you think like what happened in the case of the final is is that those cases happened on the Saturday before the game was supposed to be played on Sunday. And if that has, in in those situations where the team has been in intense training, um, there was just no, it really didn't seem like there was much of a discussion of, what if we waited two weeks yeah, and tried to do it again in two, and tried to do the final again in two weeks? It Could, the, could MLS do that? Mm-hmm. Would they want to play... Uh, MLS Cup on Christmas or MLS Cup on New Year's or MLS Cup halfway through January? I think have the final right before the season starts next season. Here's my bummer. I posted this on Twitter and I'll say this is that this is working it. I did my best to research, you know, what, you know, and, and, and do some look into who's available and who's not. Uh, MLS is not only doing this, but they're also doing it right after an international break. So they're having players fly home. They, they, they bent their rules to be able to bring players home on charter flights. Yeah. And a number, uh, have tested positive. Um, and they're going to be, this is, this feels like the most fly by night. And I just thought based on that, the USL example, mm-hmm. uh, my prediction, my playoff prediction is that MLS cup, will not be awarded in a match in 2020. It will be awarded by forfeit, or it will be played... Man, you couldn't have waited to say that after year. we talked about all the teams in our predictions. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, now, I don't disagree. I, I gotta I'm, get yeah. it I gotta get it out of the way, Yeah. so that then... So like, then we can have our chill soccer talk, where you're like, if this game is played... <laughs> how How depressing is it to try and go through and to think about what two teams' F chances of winning uh, a soccer game are when you have to scour the world for sources on who does and doesn't have COVID and who is and who isn't trying to... When you said you were doing that, it was almost like, why? I mean, that's going to (laughs) change as you're looking at it. (laughs) That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, But it just... We could talk about the sports... We can make other predictions and... I'll try to make other predictions that aren't that bummer prediction, but but it but it also it does underscore the point that like it what does this season really tell us? Especially at this point, like certainly there's things that we've learned about teams over the course of the season, but you know if if a team that's been doing really well all season that we've watched and followed and they've been really good suddenly buckle, does it is that really a storyline? Does that make anybody feel good to be like, wow, Philadelphia Union just seemed to lack focus? Like, how how does anyone focus? <laughs> how do you feel safe? How do you how do you play games when you think like, well, what if I contract COVID while I'm, you know, playing an away game for the the playoffs and I take that back to my family? Like, there's just there's a lot going on, and it just it would have been, I think, relatively easy to just either, you know. decide that the supporter shield was going to be the deciding final trophy of the season or try to find a way to do this in a bubble. But here we are in the strangest of times having playoffs that 
don't really need to happen, but are going to happen, and that will tell us something maybe about the sport. <laughs> like... Every stage, every stage, it's a worse decision. I'm going to say that as we get more into the talking about it, it's like the the people, the the players are still going to give as as much of their all as they can, and I think that. When you look at how things, for for all the, the hue and cry around the, the Supporter Shield trophy, I think that one of the things that I was most interested in was how many players voiced their, um, their issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, that's the one thing where a Supporter Shield, maybe there's contract bonuses, maybe there's not. But it's like, but the money aspect is not as tied to it. Mm-hmm. As much as players thinking, I really wanted that trophy. I think that 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 it's not this seems so hard to th- feel that it can be worth it. But when you listen to players talk about the MLS's back final, and you you listen to players talk about the Supporters Shield, and you listen to them talk about the playoffs, um, it's worth it to them, and that will the. Unfortunately, like in longitude, mm-hmm. it will not tell us who is actually bad. <laughs> yeah, but that's and that's going to be unsatisfying uh, because we're, we're going to want to say, well, these two teams have played in a game, and, and one was better, and one was worse. This goes back kind of to the issue of of who uh, who do you punish for a, a COVID infection? Mm-hmm. Who's if if one team pulls out the results, does that mean the other team was, was worse? Or does that mean that they uh, are LAFC and they're going to miss three players due to COVID that are all key players? Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in, if, what if everybody ends up with cases and everybody has to forfeit? Do we just give it to LA Galaxy? Like, how is there a system for... What if there's no teams left to play? Do you cancel the tournament or do you go down to your ninth and tenth seeds to see if they're okay to play? I think the MLS Cup final is Vancouver versus DC played at Audi Field. Love it. That's that's what I think happens in that case, yes. I'm here for it. I mean, yeah. It's it's an important framing before we, we kind of dive into things. I mean, like I think all you can say is best case scenario, we get to watch a bit more soccer that also we would all live perfectly fine and happy lives if we didn't get to watch soccer for a while. Like, anyway. (laughs) Austin FC has a jersey. Do you know, actually, for all the MLS uh, articles I opened, I didn't didn't open this one. I don't know what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody before was like, man, that's a little pessimistic, you should focus on the, the nicer things in life. They're really rubbing their hands together now. Uh, so Austin, who's I think they've signed a player or maybe a couple of players um, and obviously delayed their entry into MLS but still making moves, released their first ever kit today. It is green and black stripes. It is... I was going to ask you what your thoughts on it were. <laughs> I actually have you did seen see it, it now? <laughs> I actually did see it while I was doing this, but because of the Yeti sponsor ad, I thought it was a bit. Right. Like I thought it was I thought I was like, oh, that's a Photoshop meme. And I just like sort of visually like filed it away somewhere the else. The giant branding on the front 
makes it look like a leaked fake image, but that is the jersey. It looks real now that I see I see that it is real. Um it's fine. Um I like uh that sort of stripe pattern. Um the uh, green and green jerseys are good and I'm sure that that's going to um that's going to appeal to um Mexican American soccer fans maybe. Like like, like that's the one thing where I'm just like, maybe not. That's going to appeal, but the the thought that ran through my head is how many green on green teams are there? And then I remembered the the most popular soccer team in America. Yeah, the the like <laughs> winningest <laughs> in recent years team. Just rhymes with flounders. Um, I I like the stripes. I mean, it's a classic football kit style. And the colors are definitely a little bit more modern. It's certainly, it's a little bit garish, but I, I feel like you need just like 10% garishness in a in a kit to make it look good. Like, it reminds me a little bit of the Whitecaps Arbutus Brown jerseys, where at first glance, you're like, why? But then you see it on a pitch, and after a while, you're like, actually, I kind of like this. And it's really easy to pick out, because you're like, this is a very distinct jersey that looks like no other team like no one's gonna mix that one up. I was going to. I was gonna say like, like like that. That's what just to further. That's what ran to my 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 thought process is that I'm like, are green jerseys like that even gonna come across well on a jersey? And then I thought of the the Mexico practice jersey that I owned, which is basically that same color. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's clean. Like it doesn't have big shoulder stripes that every other. Is that the is are these sort of maybe the suggestions that we're not going to see the the big shoulder stripes? Uh, it looks like the Dynamo away uh, Dynamo alternate for next season is probably going to have it because they had their uh, mm, right. their rebranding as well. That the alternate didn't look too different than than past jerseys that they have had, uh, but we also haven't seen the main the main kits. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that jersey can get a little lost, but um, the, the new Houston time. one or the new Austin one? the the new The new Houston logo kind of like yeah is like a a line arty kind of thing. Um, yeah, I like the dash. The dash rebrand is good. The NWSL team. I thought I thought so too. I mean the the thing that struck me was that Houston made this big to do about rebranding exercise and you know, we're, we're one team and then keep the dynamo and dash as separate team names with different logos, which are like, they're more similar. And I think that's great, but I definitely feel like the dash got the better deal in, in terms of like a classic looking, but still modern and a little bit more like punchy logo. And the Houston dynamo one looks, uh, like a baseball Jersey a little bit. And uh, I mean, it's fine. Um, personally, my Houston Dynamo rebrand would have included some DP defenders, but apparently we're just talking <laughs> aesthetics. So, so, so. I think the question you have to ask yourself is, um, what do you, ultimately the, the parts of the Jersey that are like quote unquote clever design, like it's a hexagon. The hexagon is the strongest shape in the world. 
don't matter to Unlike as much as... Houston Dynamo's backline. <laughs> don't matter aspire, as much aspire as... Aspire to new things. Don't matter as much as, is the HD work, word mark going to look good on a hat, and are people in Houston going to want to wear it? All that's, I know is that it's essential that next season we come back as that so MLS football club so that people know <laughs> for certain that we talk about football. Because um, that seems to be a thing clubs are doing now. So, like, if you can't chuck FC in there, it's like you're not a real soccer club anymore and people won't know what to do with you. Well, as a, as a team that also got rid of its cartoon speed writing, uh, as, as though I kept staying when I came to MLS, I'm, I, we all learn to cope um, eventually. I do okay. think that, that uh, as, at the same time as the Dynamo put the FC in the crest, the Dash got rid of the clip art soccer ball, so... Hey, we're, you, growth is not linear. <laughs> On that note, uh, do you want to dive into some previews of some games? Yeah, let's do it. Beautiful. So, uh, I don't really care where we start, but I... I was thinking, I'm really curious to know your thoughts on this one. Uh, a match I'm looking forward to, and I think it may actually tell us something about these two teams, is New England-Montreal. Um, you know, two teams that I think are pretty comparable. Uh, I, I would say their their strengths and weaknesses almost kind of cancel each other out. The difference has been that New England has bested Montreal, I believe, three times this season in their meetings. So... Montreal's got a, a bit more work to do, but for me, this is one of the the playoff matchups that I think is um, is is going to be really interesting because it's from two teams that have done well at times, two teams that have struggled at times, and so I think it makes sense that they're facing each other, and it will it will actually tell us something about who deserves to to be moving on. I am interested. Uh, one of the things that I, I find really interesting about this is that. Um, it seems like in the preamble, uh, you're right that it's sort of like an even. There's there's almost an even matchup numbers wise coming into it. Um, the the position from the coaches is almost like like Bruce Arena humbly saying that Henri has done a great job in his first season, and you you yeah. you should give him plaudits for that. And Henri saying that. The the rebuild is more than one year. Don't judge us based on what happens here. Like they they both sound like post game interviews. Um, yeah, which is a weird tone to take before uh, a game that I think is like pretty um, like I don't want to say high stakes, but like again, I just I think it's an interesting matchup, and it's something where. Montreal does kind of have something to prove and, and could come out a little bit more fiery in terms of their their approach. But, I mean, it's also one of those things that I wonder how much of it is is a bit of gamesmanship of, you know, trying to lull your opponent into, into a bit of complacency and then come out and you know, really hit, hit the other team hard. New England uh, gave their team the weekend off. Uh, which ended up being good when a player is said to have tested positive for COVID. Mm. Uh, it is not clear which player that is. Um, Montreal will be missing Sammy Piet because he got the red card at the end of the last game. Um, and Henri told uh, journalist Mario Langlois that he will probably be missing uh, Victor Wanyama. Or they're going to be they're going to be planning as though Wanyama is not going to be able to make it. 
And, and if he makes it, that's great. And that's but, because he's on international duty? Yes. Yeah. He's going to be on a charter plane coming back, but they're going to basically assume that prepare, they're not going to have Prepare him. with that, which is probably the right the right thing to do. Um, I, you know, I think in terms of the things that I th- that might possibly cancel each other out or matter in a big way, like New England has had some amazing finishing at times, but it definitely has had little droughts. Like it's been here and there and, and it hasn't been completely consistent. They're always a threat, but it's actually generating those into real chances and getting shots on frame that I think they've lacked a little bit which I think Montreal does better. That being said, I think New England has certainly been more defensively consistent um, than Montreal. And with Montreal's penchant for getting red cards and having discipline <laughs> issues, I, I do, and it's something that I haven't hear, heard Henri really address much. Um, and, and maybe it's not the most important thing. Um, I think reaching the playoffs was certainly a goal. They achieved that, and, and maybe everything is just icing on the cake right now. But it'll be interesting to see if those things cancel each other out and it's a bit of just a, a slog that maybe ends up going to penalties or if it, if it means we are going to see a lot of goals because you're going to have one team that's better at finishing their chances and one team that's better at defending. So oh, I don't know. I think that the... Uh... If you look at their ability to gut out results, certainly after Montreal beat DC um, in New England lost in the last match day, you would think, hmm, Montreal has a little bit of momentum to them. But uh, New England also New England also got a gutsy win against DC. Um, and when it came to their last meeting, it was really a, a case of like New England being able to freeze them out. And if you look at the lineup that uh, Montreal put out when those two teams last met. Um, Montreal is going to have nothing in the midfield if they don't have Piet and Wanyama. They, do, they, they did not have a lot of bench... They did not have a lot of midfield bench strength at that time. It's, and it's true, yeah. If you move... You can, you can bring defenders up and you can bring attackers down, but there's not... They're going to... That part is going to be a vulnerability. Yeah, it, it really could be. I mean, I, I still think Montreal has good success on the wings, and, and that will continue to help them if they can get the ball out there. I would also say, like, as good as Piet has been uh, for Montreal, he's also been something of a liability. Let's not forget, he's not playing in this game because he got a red card. So, I mean, for me, it's like, well, that could have happened in the playoff game as well, and then Montreal really would have been up against it versus this where they can plan ahead. You're right in terms of midfield depth, Montreal certainly has a much harder task to do. But I wonder if that in some ways may allow players like Lapalainen um, and Boyan a little bit more room to to maneuver and roam and also creates uh, a lineup that New England hasn't likely played before. So switching things up, you know, I I still think Montreal's got the harder task, but it, it might actually open up different tactical opportunities with a slightly arranged squad. What's your prediction? I'm going to go with not my gut instinct, and I'm going to say Montreal. I think Montreal's going to win because Montreal's proven me wrong a lot this season. And all like all of the things I've said about them, I, I think to be true, and yet 
they've been able at times to just push through and get that something extra, and I feel like they've been able to do it more times than New England, albeit not against New England. So <laughs> this is a little bit of like a I'll, I'll seem really clever and amazing if uh, Montreal somehow wins, but I'm prefacing my prediction with I, I don't know how likely it is, but I feel like even with a smaller actual probability, Montreal might actually find a way to do it. What's your prediction? I have... I have the same score line as from the last regular season outing. New England 3-2. New England 3-2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2-1 for Montreal. I don't think it's going to be uh, a ton of goals. Um, I think it'll be a little bit nervy, but I, I mean, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. Where, where to next? In the other Eastern Conference play-in game, the two expansion sides meet in their first ever playoff, uh, both starting their first ever playoff journey and having their first ever playoff encounter against each other. Nashville SC versus Inter-Miami. Heck yeah. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. Miami, certainly with its uh, with its win at the end of the season, is going to feel is going to feel sprightly. Um, Rodolfo Pizarro is going to be back, right. but he. But they are going to be missing Captain Andres Reyes, uh, who got a red card. Right, um, right, right, right. I forgot about that. We're, here, we're hearing from Nashville that David Akam is expected to be back from ankle injury. Okay. Um, and they're hoping they're going to get Randall Leal back in time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully not too many um, big misses in either lineups. Uh, Walker Zimmerman picked up MLS Defender of the Year. Makes sense. Which if... If you're an LAFC fan who needed some good news this week, means that LAFC is going to. It ain't it. <laughs> well, no. Combined with the combined with the playoff qualification, LAFC is going to get three hundred thousand in right, cams right. from their okay. from their performance bonuses. Hey, there, there were third of there million were extra bonuses bet. to the team. Good bit of business. Um. This is, uh, I, I felt that they had similar stats offensively. They both had similar amount of, of goals, but um, Miami gave up way more in terms of goals. Uh, and I think that as much as you could look at Miami coming into that last game of the season and winning it against Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and Nashville has looked great. Uh, they looked great when they're winning. They look great when they're losing. I I gotta think that this is gonna be definitive in their favor. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, I mean, th- this one feels maybe a little bit easier to call um, and less <laughs> of a toss up. I think Inter Miami really has their backs up against a wall and a big big task. I'd forgotten about the red card to Reyes, which is obviously going to be a challenge because he's been the on-field leader um for them not just in name but in 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 the way he's played you know Miami at times can look a lot more dangerous offensively but Nashville's been so just tight at the back I I really Inter-Miami has not generated enough sustained pressure against any team this season that I really feel like Nashville can't just hang on and find a way to bang in a header or two. So I'm going to say Nashville 2 nothing. If they... I I also have that same thing. If they... If Inter is... If Inter starts fretting because they're 
uh, things are falling apart mm-hmm. uh, in their own area. They're not going to be able to um, get anywhere close to what you're going to need to uh, um, to knock out Nashville. Their first in their first uh, engagement here in these playoffs. Do you have a prediction for a uh, a goal line? Oh yeah, two nothing. Two nothing. All right, nice. Same as you. Yeah, I mean, Inter Miami overall, as as disappointing of a season as they had in many ways, I felt like I saw a lot of the pieces coming together over time, and I think that's really encouraging. But Nashville's just always looked the more complete team for most of the season. Um, I think for both teams, making it well, almost like Nashville, you could almost argue fans um, should expect. Uh, to be here and, and they should expect some more um because of how well they've done but if you think of if you think of of um the challenges that Nashville had in playing games due to covid yeah and you think of the the challenges that Miami had in terms of um a really um challenging period mm-hmm. both near to the end of the of, of MLS's back and once they returned um just results wise, this is, you know, job done in the first year that they've both got to this, and, and that's Hell yes, like, that's more that's more for for Miami, who it looked things looked like it could be way worse than it is now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, two teams that have, you know, I, I feel like so quietly in some circles and less quietly in others who, who've had a lot of success this season uh, is Orlando City and New York City FC. Um, this is going to be a really interesting Eastern Conference matchup. Um, I, I think we've we've all seen what Orlando can do, and I think we can now safely certify them as a good team, even though we <laughs> said, you and I said that last season. But... Um, Oh, this this is going to be uh, another, I think, really tight match. Um, there's not a lot that I don't like about New York City FC, but their their lineup is a little bit thin, um, and the attacking depth that they've had in previous seasons isn't quite there. Th- that being said, I feel like their game has opened up a little bit more, and they seem to be playing a little bit freer and have become a bit more unpredictable and in a, in a way that benefits them. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for Orlando, the, the no problem banging in goals, certainly when they have the momentum going their way, they look as dangerous as any team in the MLS, but the defending has just not quite been there. Um, the goalkeeping issues they've been able to solve, but I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced by this back line that at times just gets very leaky and Orlando is great at sending numbers forward. But I think New York City FC is, is pretty good at absorbing that kind of pressure. Maybe not as airtight as they, uh, they have been in previous seasons, but I still feel like this one is going to be New York City FC in, in the end. I think that it's this is definitely one that that you could think of as a call up, uh, sorry, as a toss up because um, you're right to a point that the that the, the <laughs> all I ever try to be is right to a point that the lineup is thinner. But I do think that if you if you look at how things have gone, that um, 
if you look at how things have gone for them, they have a system that is working really well in terms of getting a, a, a bunch of different faces involved uh, offensively. And they've really like caused big problems for teams that way, whether or not it's Castellanos who's been doing great, or Gary McKay Stevens, or Maxi Morales, or or Alex Ring. Like they have a they have a number of different threats that they can turn to. It's true. What I meant maybe depth is the lack of DP depth in those key positions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're, you're right. That's a, a much more precise way of looking at it. I think that that they're going to cause. A lot of I think that like both teams have are on great form, mm-hmm. and both of them are working really well offensively. And certainly, New York City is going to be, cause a lot of problems for Brian Rowe. So the question is going to be, um, can Orlando gum up those works? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's slightly more likely. I think that these teams could just as easily have a shootout, but I have predicted. Orlando to nothing. Wow. All right. Because I think if Orlando does win, they'll win because the wheels somehow New York, they've made New York City's wheels fall off. It's a good point. And certainly we've seen teams do that to New York. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a distinct possibility. This is definitely one of those ones where it's like, I got to pick a side. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm making a choice. But if Orlando yes. wins, I'm not going to be like, what? Like... I, f- I feel like New York might win, and also it's not something I'm prepared to put a bunch of money on. <laughs> did you have a Did you have a number? I'm, I'm not sure if I caught a score line there. Yeah, me. I'm I'm saying New York City three, Orlando one, um, and, and that's a scenario in my head where I think Orlando defensively, if they fall apart for even ten or fifteen minutes, New York could really hit them. So yeah. I don't think it would necessarily be a blowout, but just. New York on the counter and exploiting areas in, um, in behind Orlando's defense. But we'll see. I mean, your prediction is also something where I'm like, yep, that that could totally happen. <laughs> so, uh, but it, I think it, it's it's a match I'm definitely going to be watching. I'll put it that way. New York, uh, New York City is injury-free. And uh, according to Ronnie Delia, who also expects to have Cal- Alex Callens back from international duty. Right. Um, for call up for the other uh, half of New York, Columbus. They the Red Bulls will go away to Columbus for their first round tie, and they will have access to head coach Gerhard Stuber, who is who is uh, is making the uh, his appearance finally after getting a, a work permit himself and his assistant. <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. He's been in the job, but not actually coaching the team for like almost a month i think right props to bradley carroll for getting the getting the getting him there in those in those circumstances yeah getting the team to the 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 playoffs and being like now you are not even going to be the first assistant (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i mean it's this one for me is maybe a little bit a clear-cut case. Not that the Red Bulls didn't have a, a strong finish and show that they're still capable of scoring multiple goals, but I struggle to remember a single, uh, like, let's say, top eight team this season that they've handled particularly well uh, or mm-hmm. for more than a, a one-game sort of fluke thing, whereas the only thing that there's been 
some fluke around with Columbus is the fact that they've conceded some goals and lost some games. But overall, a really complete team. Um, depth in midfield, depth in defense, depth in uh, their attacking. They've got lots of different players who can score goals and do score goals. Um, what are your thoughts kind of heading into this one? Like, am I am I rating New York Red Bulls? Am I being too hard on them? Um, I kind of... I kind of feel the same way. I think that uh, Columbus have been so good. The form has been so good. New York has proven that they have the ability to pull off results, and you should not count them out. Yeah. Um, but I think that similar to Miami, if you, I think that if this had been a, a different, if they if the playoffs hadn't been expanded, or sorry, uh, yeah, expanded, you you would see New York as a team that had been on the bubble. Yeah. And I think that you you look at them here as think as having gotten into a strong position, but I just Columbus have been so good, yeah. and uh, we don't. I don't necessarily think that New York has been on the same level, uh, both in terms of their attacking chaos that I have enjoyed in past seasons. Yeah, um, but they have seemed occasionally chaotic. They still have. Great players on defense, but... Um... I love that your major positive is that they've still been <laughs> a bit chaotic. That's such a, a Bates <laughs> assessment. You're like, they haven't been good, but they've been a little bit chaotic, and I it's like been it. Weird. It's been weird. It's been weird, but Columbus uh, is expecting to have Artur back from a strained ankle. Right. Um, Darlington Nagby says, players are taking extra precautions with cases spiking in Ohio. Yikes. Which, not yikes for Nagby, who's a wonderful person. I hope he, he, he and he and his are safe. But, like, just yikes about the situation. Yeah, it it bad. Um, so, I mean, so it, it seems like you're calling this one Columbus's way. What do you think the, the final damage is going to be? Um, I think that if you look at the numbers, uh, they have similar shots, similar corners, but Columbus have seven more goals and ten fewer goals conceded. Uh, Doesn't bode particularly and, well for New York. No, they won the only encounter this year two Doesn't nothing. Bode and, particularly well for anyone that's not Columbus. And they they will win this too three nothing. Not a three zip. I, I, that's I hilarious. That it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. We're so much closer this year than I think we've ever been. I have the exact same scoreline. <laughs> nice. I I mean, like yeah. I I feel like. Red Bulls have the the goal scoring ability, and I think against any other team, they might be able to exploit that. I mean, we've seen Brian White have some flashes this season of what he showed last year, but uh, I mean, it's it's just it's crew all the way, isn't it? I feel like this is going to be a kind of a, a warm up match for them. And Red Bulls prove me wrong. Like I, I think that the Red Bulls will come and give a strong account for themselves, but I don't think it's going to be enough. And the goals will come. Before we move, let me just look at your notes because we have we're going to have different uh, because of who you called. You're going to have slightly different. Uh, uh, I think you're going to have a slightly different matchup than I am. Uh, before we move out of the the um, Eastern Conference, the first round matches nope. that these play in teams will go to uh, go to encounter. I'm I'm you're back. Trying to look up, I'm trying to look up the uh, 
the playoff seedings for your for Nashville and Montreal is your is yours scenario, which is slightly different than mine because I have uh, New England going to Philadelphia, and I think I got to call that for Philly because um, I think they have um, looked really great, and I think that they're going to uh, really look to to have they look to. Uh, end the season really conclusively, and I think they're going to make an example of whoever they face in the first round. Um, so I think they would beat New England, and I think that uh, should Nashville uh, qualify, they would have they would have a very very interesting game with Toronto uh, that they would lose. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, admittedly, I didn't look that far ahead because I, I was like, let's just see what happens in these first rounds of games. I know there's teams lying in wait. I also think that all the teams that are lying in wait to find out who they're going to be playing are better than all of the teams that are playing before them. So I, I tend to kind of agree. I think Nashville could edge Toronto. Uh, I saw um, an interview that was done this week with Greg Vanny, and the, the man looks tired. He says he's tired. <laughs> the team is tired. Uh, I just don't know that they have it in them this season. As good as they've been at points and, and as much as we know Toronto has can really dig deep and get results, I think if they're facing Nashville, uh, Nashville is completely ready to, for that caliber of play. And uh, if Toronto wins, I think it, it'll be a close one. The uh, uh, I think they're primed. They're definitely primed for a sort of uh, shock debut yeah. uh, in the playoffs uh, to have something like that. And um, if you're Nashville, it, I feel like they've had such a good season and, and have such a good structure. I, I think like you, you want to be a bit more ambitious with your goals, and I'm sure they're happy they're in the playoffs. But I think winning that first game should be absolutely the objective. And, and you know, <laughs> this is... Bo- Going down the territory of sports cliches of like, well, I think they're going to try to win. Of course they are. <laughs> but I, I think that they have the ability to do that as well. I think that they they will be slightly aggrieved with themselves if they had such an amazing season and they don't go on to at least reach uh, a conference final. Here's a question with your narrative of, of Toronto being um, feeling tired by the end of it is how uh, how restful and regenerative will have their their period returning home to train in Toronto be for them and will just the act of having to go back to Hartford sap that energy it's a great question I mean I don't know how restful anything is right now especially traveling even if you do get to go home and see your family we know uh, cases in Toronto are are spiking and Ontario is uh, a bit of a disaster zone as well so like uh I, my short answer to that is I don't I don't think it's going to help necessarily. I don't think any t- team is really getting a lot of training time in together. So I, I don't think it will necessarily be the difference maker in the end. Um, Greg Vanny knows how to prepare his team, and they have shown a lot of grit this year to grind things out, even when they haven't gone their way. But um, they, they look a tired team, and they're a team that's been more prone to errors because of that, I think. I think that what is interesting in the Eastern Conference is that uh, both the one and the two seeds are going to meet, I think, good teams that have uh, had to pull out a result already once in this uh, 
in this playoff mm-hmm. year. Uh, whereas uh, Sporting Kansas City is going to play San Jose Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's going to happen? San Jose conceded one more than twice the goals of Sporting Kansas City, 51-25. And is that well, bad or? <laughs> while scoring only three fewer, 38-15. to, to 15. It took about 13 more shots. Um, San Jose is going to have the better um, team sheet potential, or like the the the, the, the better luck on the team sheet. Uh, apparently, Casio Lopez and Vaca are all expected back from international duty. Um, Gutierrez and Zusi are out with injuries, and Alan Pulido is day to day for Sporting Kansas City. So uh, they definitely have the slightly challenging end of it and they also haven't uh these teams have not met all year so this is going to be that's true quite a quite a place for them to meet Hmm. i have the quakes have got wild results but not this wild (laughs) uh sporting kansas city 3-1 wandalowski scores the low goal for san jose and here i thought you were a believer Uh, (laughs) we all know it's going to be hurtado scoring the winning goal um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I totally forgot they haven't actually played this year. I don't think that works for San Jose though. Um, I think San Jose's way to win against a team is play them three times. And on that third meeting, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. The, look, the only important storyline that matters to me is Chris Wondolowski has said he wants to play for another year because he still has gas in the tank. So I don't care what happens <laughs> anymore. Chris Wondolowski's probably probably going to be back next season and that makes me very happy um it would have been uh there would have there were so much so many weird things and bad things and if chris wandolowski had to finish his career playing uh in front of a drive-in crowd that would have been sad yeah that's not right um i once you mentioned polito is out i amended my prediction slightly and i knocked off one goal for skc uh i think it's gonna be five nil skc i think i think that i think it's gonna be a blowout i mean all evidence points that way san jose yes at times has shown they have the goods skc is like every team in mls is better defensively let's acknowledge san jose got themselves into the playoffs and that's incredible given the year they had and the amount of goals they've conceded that's nothing short of a miracle I think they've used up all the soccer gods' good favor just getting here. And Sporting Kansas City have been electric. If San Jose wins this, it will be the biggest upset of the playoffs. And I'm just going to be like, well, maybe the Earthquakes win this year. Just take home the cup. (laughs) Uh, Sporting Kansas City are across the board a better team, have performed better, have been consistent. Um, I think Peter Vermees is going to have their number pretty easily. And... They're a very smart, sharp, tactically-minded team. San Jose is not. Um, and and I think that, that it's going to be a bloodbath. If the earth quakes and opens under uh, Sporting Kansas City, maybe. Uh, but you're, that's, a, uh, that's a bold number, but I don't think it's a wrong number. <laughs> uh, Sporting Kansas City, sorry, uh, San Jose uh, conceded more than four, uh, four goals or more. Six times in the course of the season. So yeah, and and like if 
and some of the teams that did that to them, you think like they've never gotten results like that. And Sporting Kansas City has punished lots of teams for lots of goals. So, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will be tighter in the end. Of course, it is the playoffs, and so San Jose might be bringing their surprise antics with them. It could very well happen. It may be. It may well be closer. I still think that another very possible scenario is Sporting Kansas City wins like five to four. <laughs> but I don't think it's super likely. Minnesota, Colorado, the Ooh. gentleman's agreement game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but unlike their their last their last meeting with the gentleman's agreement, um Kai Kamara is 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 traveling via every means of transport available to him. And he's coming uh, from Sierra Leone, so he's he really has his work cut out for him to get home. Jerry Zagoda of the um, of the Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that he had to take a motorboat to his charter plane Perfect. in order to get there on time. Uh, but he is he's on his way. Um, Michael Boxel is back from injury. the The other three internationals that Kamara um, Medanire finished his uh, his his playing duties and I think he's on his uh, on his way back but I understand that Robin Lode and Jan Gregus played today as we speak so that's going to be challenging yeah for them in terms of uh, making it back in time um, Diego Rubio uh, had a COVID scare uh, and didn't get it but as a result came back early from Chile camp, so he's been quarantining and he'll be okay. Um, so it all, I think that a lot of it will depend for Minnesota on uh, how many of those players they can get back. Um, Minnesota had four more goals and two fewer conceded and take way more shots than, uh, than Colorado. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is this is one where my gut is telling me one thing, and I think literally anything could happen. <laughs> I think Minnesota has... I know more and more people are kind of getting wise to the fact that they just keep winning games and are a much, much improved team. Um, I, I, this one's so hard, because Colorado has just been so unpredictable, but... I'm going to say Minnesota 2-1. I think that's uh I think that's a good prediction. I also have Minnesota 2-1. I have it on penalties. That's my mm. that's my little yep. uh my, my little fancy uh spin on it because I think I agree. I think it could be really close. I think that these are two teams that have had a lot of momentum. Um one win, one draw in the season. Yeah. It's a hard one too because Normally, I would just default to cheering for the underdog, and you know, we everybody—it's no secret that we like the Rapids around here. Um, mm-hmm. But I also—I just feel like Minnesota has been so so underrated for the last two seasons, despite getting almost everything right um, and building a really impressive squad um, with with lots of different gears and, and looks to them. So probably I feel like I'm going to be cheering a little bit for Colorado to somehow get this one, but I, yeah, I still think it's going to be Minnesota. Minnesota. I have to, I have to take it on, uh, on honor that the 
that they're not going to reseed, depending on what happens in, in the other rounds. Because I don't see anybody, I don't see any suggestion that they are going to reseed between rounds. Uh, so the winner here would go to Sporting Kansas City. Right. And uh, this, that would be an interesting um, matchup for Minnesota. But I do kind of feel that this is their, you know, in maybe not as strongly as Philadelphia have placed. But like this is their year to prove that they are, you know, they want to be in the conversation, as it were. Yep. Totally agree. Um, another, I think, potentially close one uh, is Portland at FC Dallas. Oh, I'm excited. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm fascinated You're... to know what you think about this game. Now, uh, I w- it was a little harder for me to find player information uh, on this one. Um Andy Polo for Portland is on a charter plane. Somebody took a screenshot of his Instagram story. So, so we do. know that. Hey, I just checked Kai Kamara's Instagram to see where he was, and seems like he's going to make it back to the continental states in time. Um, a, a wonderful gift for FC Dallas in this international break is that uh, players that had had to miss some of the, some of the last couple of games – Fafa Pico, Franco Hara, and Brian Acosta are all back in training. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna they're gonna love that. Um, no meetings again between those two teams this year. Yeah. Uh, Portland lead goals for forty six to twenty eight and uh, have better goals against thirty five twenty four. I believe. Mm-hmm. I say lead goals for and against. So I don't know what I meant when I wrote that note down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whether or not against in terms of they had more goals for, I think that must be it. I think, I think Dallas have just had like a tight number of goals for and against, but nothing like particularly in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. So I think Portland have conceded slightly more. Uh, Dallas will be fresh, but so will Portland. It's it depends on how fresh because we definitely saw. <laughs> We definitely saw the Timbers get tired and give up some weird results towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. See, that's um, that's an, an important question, I think, is is it's not, is Portland good enough to win? It's Is Portland good enough for a full 90 minutes against a uh, tough opponent to win? And I'm not now, saying they're not, but I feel like that's a question a lot of Timbers fans are going to be asking themselves as well. Do you have a number to put behind that? Um... This one's really, really tough. I think it's going to be three-two Dallas. Ooh, that no. is spicy, saucy. I have a two-one Portland with a ninety-minute winner. I like it. That could, I mean, that's a distinct possibility. We've seen that before. Two-one, <laughs> two, two, you said, right? Yes. I'm, I writing, I'm writing these not... down so we can revisit these. Oh, that's good. I wonder whether or not some of these predictions are just like, um, like sort of like my brain doing like an AI neural net thing of like, what are MLS game results that you remember? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, are they predictions or are they just things that happened in the past? I feel like that's not the, like the worst approach this season. I mean, in a season where literally anything could happen and has happened many times over, 
I mean, we are just taking a wild shot in the dark here, and I will be ecstatic if we get even one of these right. Uh... The final game in the first round will be Seattle versus LAFC. Yes. And this is, of course, in in normal times, something that this was the, the Western Conference final last year. Uh, Seattle made Bob Bradley very mad. Um, this is one that I think in ordinary circumstances they have a lot of people salivating. This also looks like the game that is going to be affected by COVID the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how I would, I wonder, given the fact that this, this COVID protocol has only been reported and not announced, whether or not there may be some, uh, changes between now and the time that it comes out. Because if you could think of, uh, it would be a bold, it would be a bold planner who, uh, who signed the ink on a, a protocol that would have LAFC disqualified from the first round of the playoffs mm-hmm. um given given what they like to do in mls and, and how they choose to do it it's also true that if there was ever any problem that they would try to reschedule and yeah in the question in terms of what try to reschedule means and and how much time there is to do that is is of course different and seattle is i think that game's on wednesday yeah, it's on Tuesday it's... or Wednesday, so there's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that would prevent a big team outbreak is that the players who have tested, I think, tested on international break. Right. So, um, that should be nice. That should be like obviously they're going to be in a concerned situation, and they have depth as well. But it's a challenging. It's not where you want to be. Uh, when you're when you're facing uh, the higher seed in Seattle, when you're going to Seattle to play Seattle, um, a team I think that has looked pretty on form. Yeah, they've had some weird slip ups, but I think the offense is working well. Um, the defense is exploitable, but it's pretty good, and the goalkeeper is great. Like this is, uh, LA is going to have to be very good to be able to uh to avenge their playoff uh defeat from last year mm-hmm. yeah absolutely got a got and a I, number to put on them notes i got four three on penalties interesting we're close it's gonna be it, it if i've seen anything from these uh these these western conference uh clashes is that there's always one that's just like Let's just score goals until we're done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, generally, have? that's the idea, but <laughs> that's I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Uh, it's I, – I, I totally agree with everything that you've said. Um, I, obviously, Seattle has been the stronger team more often. I think LAFC um, – Diego Rossi is tested positive for COVID, so it – it's a question mark as to whether or not he'll be available um, with Mark Anthony K out, but also with Carlos Vela back. There's a lot of question marks. Um, but what we've seen this season with LAFC is that they have really struggled defensively. Um, and and that has also hurt them going forward because they, they're not able to just command the pitch like they have um, in previous seasons. So I'm going to say 4-2. 
for Seattle um, and not going to PKs. I think LAFC, like you said, Seattle's exploitable. LAFC will get some chances. If Carlos Vela's on the pitch, he'll score. Um, I think Seattle can still do some real, real damage here. And just, you know, the image of Jordan Morris running at LAFC's back line right now is is something that sticks out in my head where it's like (laughs) he will get at least a goal and at least an assist, I think, against this already, like, kind of weakened LAFC side that I think will be, it'll be a good match and they'll put up a good fight. But for me, LAFC is just missing too many key pieces. And this is really unfortunate because one of the, it's one of those games, like a matchup where you want everyone available and it should mean more, but I think Seattle will win. And I, I think in a different year, it could go a, a different way, but I feel like that's the way it's going to go this season. I would agree. And I think that it is, is going to be, I think, one of the ones that is focused on. Um, I think it might almost be more focused on if it happened earlier, but it's. I feel like it's going to feel like a little bit of an afterthought. A little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, you have written down uh, on the notes that you gave me some stupid low-stakes t- low <laughs> yeah, oh, hypothetical yeah. questions. Yeah, I mean, we saw a bunch of teams were giving out awards last week, and MLS is announcing their awards leading up to the playoffs. C- congratulations, Andre Black for Andre Blake for goalkeeper of the year. Um, did anybody else win? Uh, Walker Zimmerman is defender right. of the year. Right, right, right. And um, I think, oh, I saw somebody win humanitarian player, but I can't remember who it was. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't remember either. Any Hoozleberries. Um, I mean, I'm not even sure if they're awarding a tournament MVP or not, but if they are, uh, who do you think is likely to emerge? At the end of everything, um, regardless of who the final teams are in the final, what are your thoughts? I'm here to uh, announce the MLS Cup 2020 uh, tournament MVP. It is, uh, let me open the envelope here, uh, covid Oh, sorry. It's Daryl DK. That'll be that'll be the that'll Both be the real really strong guesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, that's a, that's a great guess. Um, <clears throat> I I feel like I mean this is the last we're going to see of Brendan Aronson. I think Philadelphia. As we've discussed plenty, I, I feel like this is it's theirs to lose, really. Um, and um, Brendan Aronson has has really improved his game this season. He's going to, of course, be off to um, Salzburg following this season. So I'm I'm going to say I'm I'm expecting him to have a really great tournament and make a lot of impact plays. Um, so that's my pick. Nice. Do you have another uh, question for me? I do. I mean, I think in some ways you could probably say all the teams are the Dark Horse teams this year because who thought we'd be here? Um, But is there a team that stands out to you as a more Dark Horse than not just an underdog, but a team that's going to come in and and really upset things? Do you think that there is that team this season? My predictions are going to contradict my answer here, but I think our conversation has made me more certain hmm. that it's that Nashville could be that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If Nashville win that game against Toronto, all bets are off. Yeah. Who do you, 
I don't know that it's necessarily fair to Minnesota to call them a dark horse <laughs> because they've been really good. But I I feel like probably not a lot of people are expecting them to go super far. And I think that they're going to pose a lot of challenges to every team they play. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Minnesota. That's a really good one. I think that this is absolutely a year like that where it's like – uh, well, other than the fact, other than me saying that about Daryl DK, it's like, yeah, in a way that you could, in a way you could call Orlando a dark horse. You could call the Western Conference champions for Kansas City a dark horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just don't talk about like they they don't get talked about sometimes in that way because they're more quietly good. Well, Orlando, no, not necessarily Orlando, but Orlando won a trophy this year, and in, in, it's still. Sure. Yeah, it's and, when, and I think it's, like a, it's not it's nothing against Minnesota. It's and I think Adrian Heath is probably very happy to have the attention turned to other teams and and be flying a bit under the radar. I think that's not a lot of the reason why, but I, th- I certainly think it's like a good ten percent of the reason why Minnesota has been so good is because teams kind of underrate them and and don't line up well against them. And Minnesota, with very few exceptions, has been really really strong as a unit on the pitch. So. Do I think they're going to win MLS Cup? Probably not, but I think they're going to go further than many people expect. Now, just since, sorry, go since, ahead. Since I want to ask a question, okay, and and I know that this is going to be unfair because you didn't get uh, you didn't get a chance to prepare, and I got a chance to prepare for your questions, so I apologize. That's okay. What team is going to be the most disappointed by whatever result they get? Uh. <laughs> so a possible scenario is a team is disappointed that they win <laughs> <laughs> or that they lose in the final. Yeah. You what, know, what? Oh, that it's a really hard question. My, I mean, LAFC seems like the easy answer, so I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> and, and Bob Bradley's going to storm out of an interview again. Good. I mean, we very well may see that. There's a high probability of that happening, even if they do win. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably got to be Colorado. They've been through so much to get here um, and showed so much fight and been a lot better. Like, just as a, as a team all over the place, they've been, even with a lot of changes this season. I mean, Kai Kamara was something of a goal-scoring revelation, and they, they lost him, and they started doing better. So, like, I I feel like they've got a really, really hard job in front of them against Minnesota, but I think they're going to be pretty disappointed with themselves if they're not able to get a result there. Um, and, yeah, Colorado, final answer. What about you? Uh, thinking about this team losing in the final... Uh, uh, a word has sprung to my lips and it would be a word of sadness and it would be Philadelphia. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason that they should, they should feel bad about a season where they won the supporter shield, but it is remarkably challenging to win both trophies. And I'm sure that they would be crushed if they went to go play Seattle and lost. Yeah. And, you know, a very possible matchup is them versus the crew. And if there's a team yeah. that can unseat them, you got to think Columbus has as good a shot as anyone. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a great answer. 
But I but I should also say it's whatever run you guys get is great. It, it's been a tremendous season. First trophy. Don't feel too bad about it. And I hope I didn't. Oh yeah. I, I yeah, hope yeah. it's. I guess you can't jinx a team by saying they'll lose because it's just a prediction. You jinx a team by saying that they'll win. So maybe this will be a reverse jinx. Maybe you all. Maybe Philadelphia fans think, that are getting mad to me, uh, mad at me. I think you've watched this. enough MLS to be able to say that even when things look <laughs> for certain like a team is going to win, it's MLS. So it's highly possible they won't. <laughs> My last question to you is: If, if it does come down to Toronto and Seattle, who in the final? Who will score the winning penalty? Because we obviously know it's going to be nil-nil or 1-1 and then go to PKs. (laughs) Who scores the winning PK for Seattle or Toronto? I have Jordan Morris. Yeah. What do you got? (laughs) If you also said Morris, I have a second second one. Is it Roman Torres? (laughs) Richie Larea. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah. I think those are good those are good predictions. That would be an amazing Canadian soccer story if Richie Larea won MLS Cup through uh, a PK. I'd be all about that. I'm okay with that that result, but it's gotta be Larea that scores that. <laughs> that would be very good. Uh I'm trying to think if we had any other MLS news. Um the Jersey the the Jersey sales list came out. The top <laughs> the top twenty five highest selling jerseys uh it will shock you. How did I do? That you are. Uh, I think that it said here you're 26, so you're not on the list. Oh, well, that's, that's okay. It's better than last year at, <laughs> at zero. Uh, number one, Carlos Vela. Number two, Chicharito. Number three, Joseph Martinez, who has been, you know, an uh, in, in absence in this playoffs. We gotta we gotta say his name at least once in the in the playoff preview, even though. Atlanta, we're not near it, and he has been he has been injured. He has missed. Uh, number four, Jordan Morris. Number five, Rodolfo Pizarro, with uh, Higuain, Nani, Rui Diaz, Blaise Machuti, and Brandon Arison making up the remainder of the top ten. I mean that tracks. If I could say more names at you uh, in in. A roughly discernible order. Uh, Valeri Bedoya, Char- uh, Diego Chara, Polito, Ladero, Edison Flores from DC, um, <laughs> Diego Rossi, Johnny Russell, yeah, uh, Chris Wondolowski, Jonathan Dos Santos, Christian Pavone, Walker Zimmerman, Lucas Zellerayan. Uh, who I think won Newcomer of the Year. That was another one that was that was handed out. Christian right. Waldan in the the player who uh, sold slightly more jerseys than you, uh, Ezekiel Barco. <laughs> Amazing. Well, and I guess Joseph Martinez still managed to score a goal this year, despite only playing one game, I believe. So I think that's true. That does put him on par with Chicharito in terms of output. <laughs> oh despite, my! Despite 
Joseph oh, Martinez my. having a torn ACL and Chicharito playing lots oh, of games. Oh my, but, I never thought oh, about that. You know, I okay, look, that. I had to throw in something pissy at the end about LA Galaxy. <laughs> I don't get to talk about them again for a long while. <laughs> I love you. Well, <laughs> don't worry, guys. You got an NWSL to to um, to talk about if you if you want to. You got to end his. Uh, there's lots going on in LA. Is there? I'm not sure. <laughs> Don't um, think so. <laughs> by the way, speaking of NWSL, uh, they are coming back at the beginning of next season uh, in March with uh, a multiple location challenge cup. Okay. They have a innovative. They have what their press release calls an an innovative 2021 framework, which is. Uh, which is a, a keyword competition framework, which is keyword speak for. We don't know. We have no idea what gonna March say. is going to look like. Yeah, yeah, up, <laughs> up to and including canceling the entire thing <laughs> as a possible innovative framework. Just not doing the thing. The the it will the challenge cup will return in mid April with quote unquote will take place in multiple bubble environments, team markets. Or some combination of the two. God. Jesus. <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> cool. Cool, 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 cool. We've learned so many valuable lessons. Well, uh, lots of soccer to happen um, coming up. Uh, I will be tweeting the games that I, I see live probably over on the old Twitter at That's So MLS. Um, probably a little stuff on the Instagram as well. That's also at That's So MLS. And of course you can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com. We keep it yeah. easy for you. And you can find it wherever fine podcasts are found. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you very much for your support this season. Uh, we genuinely really appreciate it because we know there's lots of things you could be doing with your time and we appreciate the heck out of you coming to spend yeah. some of it with us. Where thanks, can for, we find... uh, thanks for coming to talk and soccer with us, guys. Yeah. And where can we find you online? You can find me online tweeting about Desert Bus for Hope. <laughs> uh, if you hear this, you may have still have a chance to... That's uh, the new Houston Dynamo up. campaign to sign defenders, right? <laughs> the Desert yes. Bus for Hope. Oh, my God. Heading for heading from, uh, from Dallas to Houston. That's not true. Um, uh, but, but luckily, that will end... On Friday, hopefully, unless uh, unless uh, Ken Griffey Jr. instead of putting money into the Sounders, he's joined the uh, the ownership group over there. Unless he puts money into Desert Bus for Hope to uh, to keep it running, it will end in time for the MLS playoffs, which I'm excited about. Yeah, consider going to DesertBus.org to find out what that is and donate some money to charity. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Beautiful. And uh, we're here somehow, miraculously, we're here. Um, it, it's amazing. It's great. It's been strange. It's been really strange. Um, please, as cases continue to rise, literally everywhere, uh, do what you can. Just do the responsible thing. Follow local public health guidelines wear a mask wash your hands don't spend time over at people's houses so that we can even dream of going back to normal the vaccine's not here yet so play it safe that's, kids that's we would like version. all of you to be here next year talking soccer with us 
that's your version. Being staying home and washing your hands is as case of spike is your version of Kai Kamara on a jet boat. Exactly, getting, making his way to the MLS Cup. If we want to get there, stay home, <laughs> wear a mask, do the right thing, and don't get sent off. Yeah. <laughs>